Welcome to the Unqualified Huddle with me, Sham, Simon and Shan. Wow, what a week one, guys. Football's back. Football's back, baby. I'm I'm very excited this week. Yeah, it's, and it's if, week. if week one's taught us anything, and I think uh, it, it turns out like this every single year, is that we know nothing going into the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. It's true comment. It's true I comment. mean, it started off with Thursday Night Football, which was a live wire of a festival. Then it carried on to those Sunday games where there are so many high-scoring games, unless if you're the Packers. Um, <laughs> and tonight we've got the Raiders, Ravens at Allegiant Stadium. Um, that black hole's <laughs> going to be lively as well. I'm looking well, forward uh, to the season. By the time this podcast goes out, uh, to be fair, th- that match will already be done. So our viewers will know what's happened, or listeners rather. Yeah, the, the Ravens are in a in a bad spot this uh, this like opening game. It basically, Lamar Jackson's going to have to carry them all on his back if they're going to get anything out of the game. Uh, if you've got Mark Andrews in fantasy, you, you're looking quite pretty right now. All right, so let's move on to Sunday's games. So for me, let's start with my boys because uh, you know I always like to talk about the Saints. The Winston error is here. He uh, he looked efficient uh, uh, yesterday, I think. Uh, but it's not really about them who I want to talk about. It's about this Green Bay Packers team that looked absolutely abysmal. <laughs> like, they just, they just looked awful. Um, it probably has something to do with Rogers' six months holiday and refusing to do any training. <laughs> I mean, it looked like it. They, But it also looked like the, the Green Bay receivers couldn't get open anywhere. They looked pretty bad. They couldn't... I mean, what, what blew it for me was when Rogers and the Packers ended up throwing this these were their i think three drives in a row where they had a pick and another pick this was 17-3 at a uh, point in time and they were banging in into the saints end zone so they had a pick second series they had another pick i believe the third series they failed on the fourth and two in their own half um and that was a suicide from the packers I, th- I think you're right, though. I think there was a problem with the receivers. There's, there's something not right with them because they were blanketed by um, the Saints receiving uh, DB. Sorry, I think like you can't take anything away from this Saints defense, though. I think they showed up and they looked good. They were putting pressure on Aaron Rodgers all day. The the front seven played really well. I just think you know with what they had last year, what Green Bay had last year, the players that came back, they should have done a lot better than what they showed. Sorry, Sean, what you got? Uh, well, that that was what stood out to me that Aaron Rodgers didn't have, really have much time, and obviously plays like you know Bakhtiari uh, starting on the PUP list for the start of the season doesn't bode well for even weeks two, three, four until he comes back. Um, but that's that's the main thing that stood out to me. I know Saints did everything they could. Uh, the receivers. Rogers barely threw anything, uh, but for me, it started uh, on defensive line, and I, th- I thought that's where the main struggles were. I mean, pa- uh, Rogers' first interception to uh, Adebo was, if you look to the play, it was Cam Jordan destroying the Packers' rookie right guard with a swim move, getting pressure on Rogers. Rogers then threw it behind, picked off when Rogers was aiming for Devontae Adams and it threw behind him and that return cost him and then he went deep it was just a, it was just that momentum thing that went against him but I think they also struggled with the heat the Saints were tiring them out with constant run plays the, the Saints on the ground was very efficient I mean they did up the their issues uh Eric McCoy went down 
And quite honestly, you, you wouldn't notice. Cesar Ruiz, who had a terrible rookie year, he slid in seamlessly. I mean, uh, say what you want. This, this O-line, there was a lot of question marks about our guards coming into the season. There a lot of thought we might be one of the best, but I, I actually think we are legitimately the best O-line in the NFL. Um, and Aaron Kamara and Toby Jones, had, they just had lanes to run all day. It was quite, it was just ground and pound. Which yes. Helps Winston as well, sorry. Uh, Saints uh, probably going to be friskier than than I gave them credit for at the start of the season. But is anyone actually worried about Green Bay? It, no. I mean, f- for me, it is you know, as Aaron Rodgers would say, relax because they're the only team worth their salt in that division. I, I actually am. I mean, you're right in in a sense that all of the NFC North teams lost uh, opening day weekend. So you're right in some regards that um, they are the only team in that division. However. Uh, it, unless they start getting their act together, which they, they can do, don't get me wrong, it's week one. So they can get their act together, but Roger spent six months at odds with I mean... the management and stuff, and he's gone back in, and, you know, it's is that relationship ever going to get repaired? It, you know, there's some tweets going out on Twitter I'm, I'm... saying that he's doing it deliberately. I'm not saying I'm that gonna, he is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cut you off here, Simon. Uh, Rogers will get it together, it's obvious. Uh, if you, Let's not forget the Tampa Saints game last year. Uh, where Tampa starts slow, but if you look at the Saints, they're, they're, I mean, sorry, the Packers, they're, their cast is the same, generally speaking. Their stars are still there. Just the point I on don't that, worry though, about it. The, the Saints, Pack, uh, Saints-Tampa Bay blowout game that happened last year happened in like week like 12, something like that. It didn't happen week one. Yeah, week exactly. One, week but one of w- game. You can't get worried about week one and you can't get worried about the Packers. That's an overreaction for week one for sure. Shan, how are you feeling about your boys after this week? AZ Cardinals, what an upset. Uh, I think all of us had uh, Tennessee, if I call, recall correctly, in terms of uh, coming away with the win. Absolutely. But this, yeah, absolutely. Was just, this was just the hammering, uh, both offensively, Kyler, D-Hop, everyone who they wanted to show up showed up. Um, you look at all five of Kyler's touchdowns, four throwing, uh, one on the ground, and I thought each of them showcased something really special. Um, DeAndre Hopkins doing what he always does. And what was interesting was Kyler's throws off platform so many times, delivering strike you, after strike. Yeah, you you look at his one of his two touchdowns to to Christian Kirk, um, and it was the pressure was going to get there. It just drop back quickly, recognize the play, just threw it up in the air. The ball was in in the air for ages, and it just dropped into the breast, bread basket for Kirk. What I, what I think we haven't spoke about though is the actual Cardinals front line, like front seven uh, on defense, uh, and how much they just wrecked Titans all game. Um, I think Taylor Wan uh, put on Twitter, put a public apology out to Chandler Jones and also the Titans fans, and, and thanked Chandler Jones for humbling him um, as he conceded three sacks to him on the day out of Chandler Jones's five sacks. Uh, that man's likely, if he carries on this form, going to be the sack record, I think, this year, especially with JJ Watt playing the opposite side. Is anyone going to bring Big Rivers a new sack leader after you know the circumstances that Michael Strahan got his record? I think he has a chance to break it with this hot start. This is the highest amount of sacks. Well, there's only three players with um, five-plus sacks in week one in NFL history. And I can't even remember the other two. There was a long time ago. Chandler Jones put in a clinic there. And let's not forget that two of them were strip sacks as well. 
which were game-changing plays. Uh, and and it wasn't just Chandler Jones. Obviously, he's he definitely deserves to get paid. Uh, sort of like what T, what happened with T J Watt. Uh, but basically, whatever Chandler Jones asked for, in my opinion, he needs to get paid. Uh, but you you saw Isaiah Simmons take a huge step from last year. Uh, the first round pick, Zayvon Collins, Jordan Hicks, they all played their part. And Byron Murphy popped out as well, which you did have question marks of this Arizona secondary, uh, particularly with the departure of Patrick Peterson. So let, yeah, me ask I mean, you, let me ask you, sorry, let me ask you both a question quickly, sorry. So when we spoke about this team uh, last week um, in our previous podcast, we said that Arizona Cardinals are likely going to be bottom dwellers in that division. Are your thoughts still the same now after this week or have your thoughts changed on that? My thoughts are staying the same because all of the NFC West teams won um, this week one. And I, I still see them having a struggle to get out of that division only due to the fact that I don't trust them to be consistent. Based on that performance, I, I did think that Arizona was the only one to topple into the playoffs uh, out of all of our playoff picks. Uh, but for me, Arizona are definitely, I wouldn't say favourites over the Rams, but I'm, I'm going for second in the division and a wild card slot. That offensive performance was surgical and that defensive performance, no one's going to be uh, wanting to play against them next week, which the Vikings have that assignment. So I'm, I'm going to quickly move it on. Um, but the reason I said that, and I'll lead it off, is the NFC West looks incredible. You had the Seahawks putting on their muscle against the Colts, who everyone highly, well, rated very highly coming into the year. You had the 49ers flexing their offense uh, with a lot of uh, package. Well, you had a Trey Lance package in there. And then you really had a Jared Goff come back as well. Though. Yeah, but and then you also look at the Rams' dominance in uh, Sunday night's late game. And they really flexed with their deep passing um, Stafford package, you could say, that he wouldn't have done, well, Sean McVay wouldn't have ran with someone like Jared Goff. But that NFC West, if, if any team's going to have to play, play them this year, that's going to be tough, no matter which team you're playing. That's one of my hot takes as well from this week. The NFC West is what we thought it was. Yeah, I was, I was going to say, it's it's quite uh, scary, um, the teams that are in this NFC West, because now looking back at like playoff predictions and stuff, you would try and predict all four, even though it's probably not statistically possible for all four of them to reach the playoffs. Um, they potentially might be the four best teams in the NFC. Yeah, they 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 legitimately all look really good. Like say Seahawks, uh, they their defensive front was dominant against the Colts, who like their offensive line is meant to be one of their strong points of the the team. Um, the Rams with Stafford leading the way, he he just looked good. Like I, I watched back some of his throws, it, like he just looks like so much better than he did in the Detroit offense. I think the they. Uh, Rob is really helping him there. Um, and this 49ers, so long as they stay healthy um, and stop like having a breakdown mid-game and nearly letting uh, my hero Dan Campbell's Lions back into <laughs> the game. <laughs> you know, in, if, they keep, if they played like they did in the first half, essentially, then yeah, these are, these are four scary teams. Uh, uh, just just on, on the Rams as well. While Stafford and the Rams team were dominant, 
I think, you know, they're still in third gear because you saw some of the bootlegs that with Stafford, you weren't sure how he was going to mold that offence. And mm. you could see that it wasn't that natural. I mean, he's still that talented. Sean face scheme's that good that still th this offence was the next level. But I think this offence in particular is still going to take strides later down the season. Yeah, and they couldn't even get the running game going in that game, really, until very late. And you fear when you fear for when the Rams get it all together, they're going to be tough offense to stop. You don't know where they'll you'll end up having to. Well, they'll be scoring from. They'll be scoring from all directions. Um, their offensive line held up well as well. And, and just going back to Seahawks again, Carlos Dunlap. He looked so rejuvenated um, since his trade from the Bengals. He was causing Carson Wentz all sorts of issues along with the the rest of that pack. Carson Wentz looked like how he looked in Philadelphia a little bit, where he holds the ball on a bit too long. Granted, he hasn't got receivers here in Indianapolis, who I fully trust either. Moving on from, from the NFC West, love, let's talk about the um, the NFC East in a minute. And um, the the teams that we both assumed would be the front runner, I do not believe that they're the front runner anymore. This this Eagles team looks a little bit scary. Um, I've I've watched some of the game film. Jalen Hurts looked incredible in <laughs> in his like game um, against the Falcons. Yes, it's the Falcons, but this offense <laughs> uh, this offense is really well built. Um, I, the I Jalen Hurts. The Jalen Hurts to Devonta Smith connection is real. That connection was lively. There was a lot of balls thrown his way. And Jalen Hurts looked quite efficient. I wasn't expecting this. I don't know if many people were. I had the Falcons winning this game, I believe. And I, I thought Jalen Hurts would lose his job quickly. I just want to see a bit more, a few more weeks before I anoint anything on the Eagles. Um, but that was an impressive win regardless. Well, I, it was a I think, total sh shutdown of the Falcons' offense. I think with with the Eagles, though, I think what you've got to look at is how they're built. They're built in a similar fashion to what the Saints are built in, whereby they uh, build from the trenches outwards. So uh, you look at the 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 offensive line and the defensive line for this Eagles team. When healthy, they potentially are two of the best lines in football. Um, and the, but that's been the problem with the Eagles is health for the last few years. They've always had a good rotation on the D-line the last few years. The O-line, you look at their left tackle, Jordan Mailata, out of Australia. They paid him big bucks to be their left tackle. He's only played 10 games, but he was impressive. There was no one getting around him uh, last uh, well, last night. What I, what I would want to say, though, is I would want to see them against a bit of tougher opposition um, because this, this Falcon team stinks. Um, they, <laughs> might, yeah, they, they might get better as the season goes on, but uh, as they show they don't have a lot. Matt Ryan looks done, to be quite honest. Like, and it, what's what's quite bad as well is the, this team had a chance at, you know, like a Trey Lance or a Justin Fields. They, they could have drafted a, a guy in that sort of area and who might have rejuvenated the club, but they decided yeah. to stick with Matt Ryan. And I, I mean, I think it's going to hurt them. They've got. You can't expect a better, well, a worse matchup. Sorry, the next week the Buccaneers. Are playing the Falcons next week, and we well, the, that's... the Cowboys shown that they're beatable uh, in in the air, definitely, and that's what I'm surprised that Arthur Smith didn't bring. 
Uh, Calvin Ridley had three catches, more or less, on the first drive, definitely in the first quarter. And then he was quiet for a long part. He's, he wanted to bring that Tennessee Titans uh, running game, but he, he did, I don't think Arthur Smith um, adjusted to what he had with the Falcons this match. Well, it, it's not just the run. Well, it is the run game, but like a lot of uh, his success at Tennessee was to go with pass, pass action. So, uh, sorry, uh, run action. So, run action passes. So, you know, you'd have eight guys defending Derek Henry, which is why, you know, AJ Brown and uh, Corey David would get open a bit more and, and Tannehill could throw the ball a bit more, have a bit more time. He's not going to get that in, in yeah. Atlanta. I mean, he tried. The offensive line isn't the same, but Mike Davis, 15 carries, 49 yards, 3.3 average. It's, if With a run game like that, you're not going to win many games. But I'm going to move on to another segment of, uh, well, train of thought the rookie quarterbacks we have to have a, a little chat about the rookie quarterbacks um this week there were so many of them all five of the first rounders got game time and who would have predicted that um and they all had their rookie moments you could say well i'm talking mainly the the three starters zach wilson trevor lawrence mac jones they started the games ended the games but they all looked like rookies I think Mac Jones played within the offense. They gave him a very easy task in terms of they didn't expand it too much for him, didn't ask him to do too much. But he looked very quick and accurate in the short passing game. They tried to beat the Dolphins as a balanced offense. The Jets... I, sorry, they sorry, sorry, just coming back to this a minute, sorry. They, they didn't try and beat the, the Dolphins as a balanced offense. They tried to beat the Dolphins by running the ball down their throat. Which is what this New Orleans, New Orleans, uh, sorry, New England Patriots team is about now. They're they're trying to run the ball a lot more. Well, they're trying to protect their rookie. Players. That's what they're trying to do. They didn't ask him to do much, and he completed seventy four percent, which is one of the highest ever for a rookie quarterback in week one. For me, he played well. For me, like you say, he did play well. He made the throw. It's just unfortunate he came against the Dolphins defense that could manage to force fumbles from his running backs twice when they're going down for a, a score winning drive. A, a game-winning drive, sorry. We, we all know that Bill Belichick's a great coach, and th this New England team was going to protect Matt Jones as it was, as it did Cam Newton when he was there. The the throws, you know, obviously Matt Jones has shown a lot in preseason that, that he is, is built for the NFL, but really the playbook is still pretty simple. They're not asking him to put the team on his on its back, which rightly so, but I, I, I don't think, you know, it is, it's not Pat Mahomes. And you look at the Jets and um, Zach Wilson and Jags with Trevor Lawrence. Those guys, both teams were trailing early in week one and they were ended up having to be forced to put their teams on their backs and they couldn't do it. You could see why they were picking first and second overall. They just didn't have complementary football going. Um, and their defences both started off quite poorly. Yeah, and coming from behind is not easy for a rookie quarterback. They look like rookies. I, I was encouraged by all the rookies including Justin Fields. Let's see how long Andy Dalton stays a star. I don't think it'll be long at all. Yeah, you, you could see on the reaction when Justin Field, Justin Field scored his rushing touchdown. The all of all of the uh, Chicago offense was really hyped up for him, and that was just a stark contrast to how how the offense's uh, demeanor was for the rest of the game. I just want to talk about. Cleveland and Kansas City. Uh, we can't end this podcast without talking about two of the Super Bowl contenders for this year. And what I took from this game was that the Browns are the real deal. 
but in order to beat the Kansas City Chiefs, you need to be perfect. Uh, Mahomes to Kelsey is as good as has ever been. Uh, Baker shown great moxie all throughout, although in the last quarter, you, some of the mistakes started to creep in. Uh, you had a uncharacteristic fumble from Chubb. You had an error on on a punt from Cleveland, and that just allowed uh, the Arrowhead crowd and Kansas City to to work their way into the game and, and, and take the win. Yeah, I th- I think there's a there's a couple of points you can take away from this. Uh, first one being is now that crowds are back in the stadiums, they play such a big role in the NFL. There was a few full starts on the Browns where they, they just couldn't hear each other when it came to getting a snap in. You saw Baker really struggling to call plays in with the noise from the Kansas City fans. So fair play to them. Um, my other thing is as well, I actually think that this Chiefs team is quite beatable because I I don't rate their defence that much. They they did start showing something in the last quarter, um, but up until that point, I didn't really think they showed much. And also, when it comes to his offence, aside from Kelsey and Hill, no one's really... Like, there's no real third option for him. Um, so, you know, if teams could key onto that, key into that, sorry, uh, and try and, you know, maybe double both Kelsey and, and Hill... Uh, I think they might have a bit of a solution because you, you might not be able to stop the Chiefs, but you'll slow them down enough that you could potentially take advantage of their offense, uh, sorry, their defense, which is what the Browns tried to do. It's just they lost their starting safeties early. Harrison, because he punched one of the coaches on the, the Chiefs sideline, which was just ridiculous. Um, and uh, their other safety for injury. I just think they are a beatable team this year. But the, the Browns looked very good in this game for me. So we could talk about this all, uh, well, another hour really about all these games, but we won't try and bore the listeners um, or excite them even more. But we apologise if we didn't get to your favourite team. One thing I would say, my Super Bowl favourite, the Buffalo Bills, Josh Allen had a terrible game. That's all I'm saying, but he'll get good. I think as well, sorry, the, you can't cut these Steelers out. There was so much down on them, but that defence looked legit. Yeah, the sure did, especially when they came firing through in the fourth quarter and Big Ben. But let's move on to the next segment and give our award for the qualified player of the week. A one player each, guys. Shan, who's your favourite player this week? Who's your player of the week? My qualified player of the week, and in my opinion, the front runner for the MVP. Uh, we're talking <laughs> about <laughs> way, <laughs> too, <laughs> way too <laughs> early award. Uh, it's Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. We've, we've talked about it already briefly, but just watch those touchdowns. Five touchdowns, four through the air, one on the ground. They were spectacular. Uh, some of his Houdini-like ability in the pocket, I, you know, maybe the argument is that he's quick to run away from the pocket now and then, but that was just a video game. Uh, that that game was basically a video game for him. Uh, and, and for me, he he's my player of the week. All right, Simon, you can't pick the same player. Who's so your for, player of the week? So for me, uh, it's someone who's come back from injury, actually, and I thought it had a tremendous game for the Denver Broncos, and that's uh, Von Miller. He, he got two sacks and a forced fumble in that game. Uh, he's currently now the leading sack leader of the NFL. He's got more sacks than any active player currently. Uh, and I think he looked really good coming back from his injury from last year. Um, so my qualified player of the week would be him. Awesome. I mean, there's so many players to choose from. I'm going to go with a guy who lost his starting job last year due to a medical error where he got injected it right into his lung. 
and that's Tyrod Taylor of the like Houston it. Texans. He carried that offense through with no issues. He did what he does best, manage a game. And when he had to make spectacular plays, boy, he did. He got out of roughly three straight sacks in the game where you would expect a guy to just go down. He did his Deshaun Watson impression. impression. Duke moves, been moved out, threw a bomb deep. Brandon Cooks caught a couple of them. He finished the game 21 of 33, 291 yards, two touchdowns. Most importantly, no picks, no fumbles. It was a perfect game for him. They coached it really well. And I just feel really happy for the guy after what he's been through in his career. Thanks for listening, guys. Give us a follow on Twitter at T-U-H underscore podcast. And join our Reddit on r slash the unqualified huddle. We're also now available on all good podcasting services. So please give us a listen and share. See you later, guys. Peace. Peace.